Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Now What Wednesday. Jessica Stevens here, your host of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another amazing episode. I love Wednesdays, not only because it's when new episodes launch, but it's the middle of the week, you know, referred to as hump day. So once you're kind of over that hump, then we know the weekend is not too far behind. And speaking of hump days, I guess that's a perfect segue into our topic today on the show. We have the beautiful and talented Jenna Switzer joining me on the podcast today, and she is going to be sharing her I Just Can't Orgasm Now What story. Yes, I went there. We are getting a little hot and spicy on the podcast this week, so if you happen to have children nearby listening, you may want to hit pause and come back to this episode at a later date when you can listen to this on your own. But yeah, Jenna's going to be sharing her personal story of her struggles with climaxing and orgasms and sex in general, and that led her to a career of wanting to help other women feel fulfilled. So she is a holistic sexologist and yoga teacher trainer. Her work empowers women to experience confidence through empowered orgasms. She is passionate about using tools of mindfulness, breathing practices, and movement to empower her clients physically and energetically. With 10 years of experience as a yoga teacher and trainer, Jenna creates a holistic approach to combining traditional teachings with modern research. She currently lives in a small surf village in Bali, Indonesia, where she will be joining me live for the show. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook, grab a cocktail, enjoy this episode. It was definitely very insightful. I learned a lot and I hope it helps some of you too. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, are you having a I just feel sluggish now what moment? Me too. And when I'm feeling a little low and need to pick me up, I turn to the Arbonne 30 Days to Healthy Living program to help me reset. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. The 30 Days to Healthy Living acts as a reset in establishing healthy habits so you can get more energy and feel fit with clean vegan nutrition. Arbonne's mission is to empower people to flourish with sustainable, healthy living. So the 30 Days to Healthy Living set and program are specifically designed to do just that. It helps you identify foods that might not be serving your body well, while you focus on adding nutrient-dense, plant-based whole foods into your daily routine, creating sustainable habits for a healthy lifestyle that lasts. So if you want to get started on your path to healthy living with our number one nutrition set featuring nine plant-powered products that make healthy living easy, head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbonne.com and click on the Healthy Living tab and check out the program. Join me each month as I help dozens of people feel fit and their best with this amazing program. 
It's definitely not a diet. It's a lifestyle. And if you want to live well and feel fit, join us on the next 30 days to healthy living. So head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com. Check out that healthy living tab and let's help you go from feeling sluggish to feeling great. Well, hello, Ms. Jenna. Hello, Jess. It's so good to see you. It's been a really, really long time since I've yeah. laid eyes on you. So mm-hmm. you're in Bali. I am. Yes. <laughs> I've been here for almost two and a half years now. Just before the pandemic started, I arrived and I haven't left since. Was that the plan to stay or did the pandemic actually? No. Trap yeah. Well, trapped is like a strong word for what happened. <laughs> I had traveled or I had planned to travel for the year of 2020. I had some teacher trainings booked in different countries and workshops, events. I just had this idea for the year to be in different places. And I got to Bali. I led a teacher training February, 2020, and then booked a villa to like relax and enjoy Bali for March. And then in March, things started shutting down and I just had to make a decision. Was I going to stay in Bali or was I going to go back? And all my stuff was in storage. I'd gotten rid of my place. I I really didn't have anything to go back to. So I was like, well, guess I'm staying here. And in that time, it's really given me the opportunity to like enjoy Bali as home. So I think I'm here long-term for sure now. I love it. Well, yeah, I guess all of your other in-person events that year would have been canceled anyway. So it's yeah. not like you had anywhere to go. And Yeah. And, and I had planned to just leave Bali and, and I had a teacher training booked in November, 2020 in Nicaragua. So I thought I would just like go from Bali. Like it's not that big of a deal. And then obviously everything got canceled that year. So yeah, it was interesting. Wow. Yeah. I know we were talking off air, just how grateful you are that you've been able to be outside and not locked Mm -hmm. down and just, you know, have that freedom and being in this beautiful tropical place can totally relate. This past winter, I spent eight weeks in Jamaica. Oh, beautiful. I I know. So I have that same gratitude that you have of like, oh my God, it was just so nice to be open and free and you know mm-hmm. in nature and not having yeah. to be so masked up and closed off so well girl bali looks good on you thank you very much i feel it feels good on me too all right well i'm super excited about this episode and you sharing your story but before we do that what do you want the people to know about you so obviously i you know i just read your quick bio but can you unpack <laughs> for me what a holistic sexologist is Yes. So basically I teach people how to connect to their pleasure and to a really healthy sex life in a holistic way. So this includes the way you breathe. This includes the way you move. This includes the foods that you're eating and the relationships that you have. So rather than just talking about the chemicals that are exchanged or happening in your brain or talking about medications to keep a firmer erection or anything like that, I'm really using the tools and like my own toolkit from teaching yoga and the work that I've done in anatomy for the last eight to 10 years and integrating that into helping people have better sex. So it's really like a full body holistic approach. And I feel that it's, it's kind of a hole in the market that, you know, if there's something quote unquote wrong, you'll go see maybe a urologist or a gynecologist or that kind of thing. But if there's something that just feels off, we don't really know, like other than porn, like where do you look for 
advice on sex? Where do you learn about making your sex life better? So I'm really stoked to be kind of in this place in the market and I'm so passionate and so excited about it. And I've seen so many changes in people that I've been working with that yeah, it just lights me up. I love this work so much. Oh my gosh, that is so cool that you have found <laughs> your passion in, mm-hmm. I guess, the passion industry, uh, <laughs> industry and helping other people. But this kind of, I guess this is the perfect segue to your story because we can rewind the clock to the story that you're going to share today. And it's, I just can't orgasm, now what story. Yeah. And maybe this moment back in the day was foreshadowing what you'd be doing now, but I'm pretty sure you had no idea this is the life you'd be having right now when you were like thinking about what was going on in your own body when you just couldn't hit it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so funny because like I said, I was a yoga teacher for, I mean, I think it's been almost 10 years now. And I used to make this joke that people told me that you do what you love and you never work a day in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I was either going to be like a sex worker or I was going to be a yoga teacher. So I chose to be a yoga teacher, but now I'm like, I got to do both. Like it's the best. Yeah. So years ago, I come from a very conservative Christian background. And so sex in our family, the pleasure side of sex was absolutely never discussed ever. And what was talked about sex was it's for a husband and a wife and that's it. You know, I think I for read the, a book or my mother's game. Reproduction. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And everything around the desire to have sex was bad. So the urge to have sex outside of marriage was very bad. And men's desire for women, also very bad. Women looking too attractive, bad. So it was really shrouded in all of these don'ts, 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 don'ts. And there was only like one do, which was like basically get married. That was it. And so I really didn't have an understanding. I remember, I think I was 19, calling my older sister and saying, hey, what's an orgasm? And she at the time was not married. And so she didn't want to admit to me that she knew what an orgasm was. So it was like, even within like my family, there was like this, don't tell anybody, you know? And so I was really quite a late bloomer. Like I didn't have sex until I was, I think I was 20 and didn't have my first orgasm until early twenties. I just had never experienced any of these things. And so that kind of set up the relationship that I had with my pleasure and also with conservative religious ideas, a lot of female empowerment kind of gets squashed. And I don't know, some people believe it's very, very intentional and like the way it's set up and maybe it is, but I feel in my family, it was just like, that's how we accept things are. It's not that women are bad or less than men. It's just, they have a different life. And so when I got married, I did have sex before marriage. Don't tell my mother. And so as I was exploring this, I really had giant holes in my understanding. And so I would have these experiences. It would feel good, but I could never like, what is this orgasm business? Like, what is, is that, you know, that part where I get excited? Is that the part like where he finishes? I didn't understand it at all. And, you know, I'm pouring through like Cosmo magazines and 17 magazines. Cause I'm like, where do you get this information? Right. And I can tell you not reliable places for information. But at that age, I just had no idea where to look. And my older sister wasn't really talking to me about it. I didn't really have older women in my life that were open to discussing it. So fast forward, I got married. Our sex life was really difficult because of all these ideas that I was still clinging to. And also my inability to connect to my own pleasure. Like I wanted to, but I just had no idea how. And during, I will say during my marriage, I did have orgasms, 
but they were so unpredictable. It was just like, like the stars were aligned or something. It felt like it was completely out of my control. And when I did have an orgasm, it was like one giant explosion. I was exhausted. I felt like I pushed it out of my body. And then that was it. Like this idea of multiple orgasms sounded like the most ridiculous thing I couldn't. Yeah. Doesn't sound appealing if your orgasms are like that. (laughs) So after my marriage kind of fell apart, I was 22 when I got married. And I was 26 when I got divorced. Actually, I was just chatting with him the other day and we were discussing how like young we were and all these ideas that we had around like intimacy and partnership. And, you know, maybe not everyone that young has the same blockages that we did, but I think we really held ourselves back from being able to enjoy our marriage, enjoy the intimacy because we just both didn't know so much. And I in particular had all of these preconceived ideas that I didn't know what to do with. So after uh, I got divorced at 26, I think this happens often. I started like exploring. So, okay, if heterosexual monogamy wasn't working for me, what would work for me? And so I really dove into all kinds of different experiences of open relationships, polyamorous relationships, of just a lot of different styles of relationships and experiencing different types of pleasure. And It continued to be orgasms were hit or miss. They might happen or they might not. And I could never figure out like what was going to get me there consistently. One of the things that I really advocate now for is a self-pleasure practice. And I really carried this guilt and shame. And like, if I'm super honest, like a bit of disgust around self-pleasure from these conservative ideas that I was taught. And I, it was like one of those things I just never questioned. I was like, of course, girls aren't supposed to pleasure themselves. That's a terrible thing. We shouldn't do that. And now I'm, when I look back, I'm like, no wonder partners couldn't please me. I didn't know. I didn't know. If you could just like shake younger Jenna with her shoulders right now. Right. Do you do that? Do you look back just sometimes? And it's just like, what, why, like, why it was so obvious. Yeah. I'm like little Jess. I'm like, come on girl. Like, let's think about this. I can completely relate to that. So that kind of led me into, and I'm really super grateful. I had incredible experiences, especially in the polyamorous community. Everyone I connected with emotionally, sexually, everyone was very supportive. It was always sober. There weren't drugs or alcohol involved. And so there was a lot of talk around consent and understanding consent. And it really created a beautiful situation for me. And my orgasms still felt elusive. They still felt like kind of something over there. So I'm Googling do all women have orgasms? And of course, Google says, no, not all women have orgasms. In fact, the majority of the women can't orgasm during sex. So that's what I was like, oh man, well, if I want to have these experiences, I'm going to have to like do this myself. So that's really when I started to self-pleasure, but I did it out of thinking I was incapable of doing it, of having that experience in sex, right? Or if I did have it in sex, it wasn't really as good anyway. So I may as well just do it by myself. So again, this like warped view. And I find it super interesting that I was like, you know, part of like sex events and I had all the experiences that you can have. And I still didn't have that connection to my pleasure. And we often think this idea that like people who are really sexually active are more connected to their pleasure. And that is absolutely a myth sometimes. Yes, but it's not just because you're having more sex doesn't mean you're having better sex. Right. I think that's really important. So, Very good distinction. More sex is yes. way better sex. <laughs> yes. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years, I had a 
experience that was pretty traumatic for me. And it was in the context of like, I can say it was outside the polyamorous. It was outside these types of events. And this trauma left me really disconnected from my body. So I've been teaching yoga at this point, maybe about five years. And I'd always been focused on anatomy as a yoga teacher, biomechanics, mobility, like really focused in on the, um, yeah, that was always my thing. So when I had this experience and I noticed my body was just not the way it was, especially my pelvic floor, the muscles of my pelvis were not responding. It was like wildly numb. I had no desire to be touched or to touch anyone else. I really like shut down and I was doing all the things that I knew biomechanically to turn the muscles on and they weren't responding. And it was during this time, you know, I had a great therapist, I had a great doctor. I had great people in my life that I realized that there's more to our bodies than just this physical on off. Yes, no orgasm. Stop. There's so much emotional and energetic embodiment that happens in our lives. And for so long, I'd just been focused on, you know, what science can prove, what I can see and what's actually there in my head. And then suddenly I came to the reality that all of the facts that I knew were not actually going to get me through this, that I had to tap into something deeper and I had to get to know myself in a more subtle body experience. That led to a lot of explorations of, yeah, more subtle body things. And it took a while to really embody them. And through that experience, I started to connect myself in ways that I hadn't before because I didn't have expectations. Like my main goal was just to be able to feel again. And the idea was to get back to my quote unquote normal, which was this sometimes orgasm, sometimes not, because I thought that was normal. And through really integrating this awareness and knowledge and coming to love this area of my body in a whole new way that I never had before, all of a sudden, my experience with pleasure completely transformed. Now it wasn't one orgasm and done. It was multiple. Like it was like, I I was having them more often. And the experience of the orgasm was like filling my body rather than feeling the sensation of being pushed out of my body. And they were really like lighting me up. And I was feeling this like energized sensation when I would have orgasms as opposed to before when I would just like feel exhausted and be done and one and done kind of thing. And I was also starting to experience pleasure outside of just an orgasm, like all of a sudden the experience of being turned on was just as pleasurable as the sensation of an orgasm. And it was, I can't say it was like, you know, I did A, B and C and it fixed it. It was really the intention of loving my body and embodying this awareness of love and appreciation that totally just changed the trajectory. And I'm so passionate about it now because I remember Googling like can women orgasm and still to this day, you'll see something pop up and it'll say most women can only orgasm from clitoral stimulation. And I mean, I guess that's better than the original, you know, some women just can't orgasm. And I feel like it still limits us. Like there's so much that we can experience and, and embrace that. Yeah. I'm just obviously very passionate about it. So that's kind of my story. That's how I got from there to here. What a ride. 
right? <laughs> who would have thought Jenna, you know, little Christian girl who was told that pleasure is a no-no to who you are today are one and the same. I know. Yeah, it's really wild. My ex-husband, as I said, we were just chatting the other day, catching up and and he kind of said the same thing. He was like, man, I cannot believe that the girl who told me this or that did this is now like helping people have epic, amazing orgasms. He's like, it's pretty amazing. That's awesome. I, I love the fact that you guys actually still converse and have somewhat of a relationship all yeah. later, but that's fantastic. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna rewind the clock. We're gonna unpack some stuff here because I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening, their ears are on fire right now <laughs> about some of the things that you've said. For clarification, can you define polyamorous relationships for those who may yeah. know what it is? Of course. Polyamorous relationships is when you have more than one partner. So that's not sexual partner. That's so in my context, I was dating a woman and she had also a male, another male and female partner. So in a way we were all kind of in a relationship together. And it's like, you know, when you go out for dinner on a date, right? You think, okay, a girlfriend and a boyfriend or a girlfriend and a girlfriend or boyfriend and a boyfriend, they go out. But in polyamorous context, you actually love and have relationship, in-depth relationships with more than one partner. And they don't have to be sexual. They can be sexual. It can be a combination, but that's generally what polyamorous is. And then I also mentioned open relationships. So the difference between those two is really, and this is my own interpretation, is really the emotional component. So in an open relationship, you might be sexually intimate with other partners, but your emotional intimacy is with one in particular. Got it. Okay, good. Just some clarification for those listeners. Of course. What are those things she's, what are those words coming out of her face that I have never heard before? Okay, so you got married at 22 mm-hmm. you were in a monogamous relationship with your husband till 26 and then yep. the ventures started for you what was the transition for you of getting divorced and starting this exploration of who jenna really is now what was the kind of like first step that you took because i can't imagine like you went from oh. <laughs> right that's like a huge yeah, loop. so i'm like yeah, i'm pretty is. sure there were some steps in there that she kind of fast forward <laughs> through but for the listeners who are like wondering like am i experiencing something similar what was that transition like for her from going from that marriage to a polyamorous one like what yeah kind of those dots what were the steps yeah So in my marriage, as I kind of hinted to, our sex life was really a struggle for both of us. And so after I left my marriage, I was on a bit of a mission. One of the things that I had in my brain was that women shouldn't have a stronger sex drive than men. And that was a weird thing about me that I had wanted sex more than my husband. And so I actually watched Sex and the City. Did you ever watch Sex and the City? I did. Oh my God, that show actually changed my life because I was like, it's okay for women to want sex. Like it's normal. And then I thought maybe I've been living in a closet that whole time. And like, maybe in reality, everybody else knew that women wanted sex and it was okay. So I dated, actually, it's really, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but directly after my marriage, I actually dated a guy who's still a virgin. And so I was in a relationship with him. I want to say four months or more. And we didn't have sex. Well, we didn't have penetration. I'll say that the whole time we were together, which I think is really interesting 
I have this belief that our soul chose the experience that we're having. And so I think it's really interesting that my soul was like, oh, you know, you had a marriage where sex was a problem. Like the first relationship you're going into, sex isn't even going to be on the table. You know, it's from the equation. (laughs) So it was in those four months that I was like, wow, turns out like sex really matters to me. Like this relationship is missing a big chunk and it's sex. Like it doesn't matter how emotionally intimate you are with someone. And I'm, when I say sex, I don't necessarily mean penetration. I mean like a physical intimacy with your partner. And I was really lacking that in that relationship. And so when I left that relationship, I was like, okay, well, turns out dating's not for me. I didn't even know about open or polyamorous at this time. So I was just like, dating's not for me. I'm not going to be with anybody going forward. And so I had a few casual relationships, but again, if you're not like, I had this weird dissonance because I had a high sex drive, but I wasn't really getting a whole lot of pleasure from these sexual experiences I was having. Yeah. So it was like a weird, like I wanted it, but then it was like not as fulfilling. So all this to say, I let down, if you will, when you yeah, were yeah, yeah. like, you know, Oh, I have a low libido. I often go back to that time in my mind and I'm like, yeah, I get it. If I was still having that type of sensation during intimacy, I would also have a super low libido at this point. I met a woman who I was very attracted to and she was polyamorous and she's the one who really opened my eyes to this style of relationship and coming out of a marriage, I was feeling very disenchanted. And I think anyone else who's been divorced probably went through a phase of disenchantment, right? Where what you thought about relationships turns out maybe wasn't true or things you had hoped for. And so when this woman offered to me this idea of polyamory, I was like, that's it. Like, maybe that's my problem. I'm just not supposed to be with one person. I'm supposed to be with lots of people. And this makes so much sense to me. And then, you know, when you surround yourself with like-minded people, it's like, well, of course this is normal. And this is exactly how things should be. And she was really, I'll give her so much credit. She really walked me through that experience very gently. You know, it was like, first it was like just getting to know her, getting to know her style of relationships, being intimate with a woman for the first time was a whole new thing for me. You know, her introducing me to her partners, but in like a very platonic, just getting to know you, like just understanding their dynamics. So I really felt like I got to experience a really like beautiful side. And so she introduced me to that. Eventually I came to realize it's really not the aligned relationship style for me. I find it exhausting. It's a lot of feelings. You know, you have one partner and they have a whole person full of feelings. Polyamory, you have multiple people full of feelings and it's a lot (laughs) to navigate. It's a job right there. It is. And it's great for people, people, like people who just love people. And I really think in the same way that some people are born heterosexual or of different orientations. I think people are born polyamorous. I think there are people who are born to love more than one person. And I think it's beautiful that, especially now, I feel like it's becoming more and more accepted in our society. And I also think there's a lot of people like me who are just disenchanted from how societal norms make you feel. And so you like ping pong into this other, what's the opposite of this? Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you had a nice gentle transition with a very caring person who was kind of holding your hand through the whole thing. That's good to know. And it wasn't like you just dove over the deep end and to be like, Hey, I'm going to be polyamorous. Who wants to hang out? Yes. Yes, exactly. Honestly, when I look back, 
like there are things that happen in my life and maybe this is a bit of a Pollyanna perspective or rose colored glasses, but you know, there could have been a lot of terrible things that happened. There are a lot of opportunities in my life where things could have gone very wrong and they didn't like, like you said, like imagine the emotional damage that, that comes from jumping into the polyamorous world without knowing you know, where the edges are and just bumping into and not being able to figure it out. Like I was so lucky to have someone like gently and lovingly teach me all about that style of relationship. Yeah. And for you to have experienced in a way that you could then decide for yourself that, that this isn't for me. Exactly. So let's fast forward a little bit. You leave the polyamorous world because you, you realize it's not for you. Where's Jenna now on the journey? Well, I was still of the mindset that, you know, heterosexual monogamy didn't work for me. Polyamory didn't work for me. So I was left with, I was like, okay, so open relationships are the style for me. That was where I went next. And I had a partner and I was like, this is what I want in a relationship. And he was like, I think I just won the lottery. Like, how the heck did I find you? This is amazing. Yes. Yeah. And we had a lot of really amazing experiences. That was a bit less being guided and more like running into the walls of what's okay. What's not okay. Can we make rules? Can you have rules? Like what type of rules are midway through the game? Yes. Yeah. And like, I think that when we are in heterosexual monogamous relationships, we often don't have to question in order to keep going in the relationship. And when you step outside of that societal norm, you're given an opportunity to explore and to notice the kind of fences you've put around yourself. They don't actually exist. We just self-impose these ideas. So even the concept of heterosexual monogamy, what does that look like? Does that mean that you only have sexual experiences with each other? Or do you sometimes pleasure solo pleasure separately. I would hope it also includes solo pleasure, but we just don't talk about it. We don't explore. There was definitely a learning curve in the experience with the open relationship. And I also really appreciate that now as I approach relationships, I have such a wider understanding of what's possible within the container of love, within the container of a relationship and respectfully treating one another in that way. Got it. Got it. Okay. So for anyone listening who is tracking along with you being like, hey, yeah, I'm not feeling as though I'm hitting the pleasure jackpot enough or regularly, or I feel like there's gaps in my knowledge and I, or a disconnect from my own body, similar things mm-hmm. that you were experiencing, what would you recommend and suggest for them if not jumping into the polyamorous pool is <laughs> something yes. that they want to do or open relationship? Like they want to stay in monogamy or heterosexual, whatever their flavor is. But what would you say is a good kind of guidepost of like, hey, maybe go think about this or go explore this or go try this. What would you suggest to them? Man, I think the first thing we need to do is to learn to love our bodies. I'll speak to women in particular. Men also struggle with this a lot. We are all taught that there are certain areas of our body that are either shameful or areas that should be ignored or that are dirty or that kind of thing. And I think it's really important to connect to those areas because there is nothing shameful about our bodies, nothing. And we can have shame around, you know, an area from something we don't even remember being taught. Oh man, it's hard to give like one. So what I would say, if I zoom out, the one thing is like connect to your body and 
practice loving your body. And that can be a huge step. And so start by simply turning on sensations in your body. Easiest way to do this is through breathing, like long, deep, slow breaths. It's annoying how simple it is. Like (laughs) someone listening is like, yeah, okay. Like I breathe all the time. I get it. I know. And I also, I want to tell you that there's some secret magic, you know, step on your right foot, lift your left pinky, you know, Um, but it's not like it's breathing and your breath biomechanically, your pelvic floor is actually an accessory set of breathing muscles. So it assists every time you breathe. And That means that when you take slow, deep breaths, the muscles surrounding your genitalia should actually move. And that movement through your breath gives you an opportunity to experience sensation in this area outside of any kind of pressure, outside of any kind of sexualization. It's just an area of your body that is moving. And I used um, therapy balls. I worked a lot with therapy balls for years and years, but you can also, even if you just like sit on a pillow, it'll give you sensational feedback as you breathe. If you're in yoga pants and the yoga pants are quite fitted, you can actually feel it into the yoga pants. Maybe your yoga pants move when you breathe, but that would be my first. If you're looking to, you're like, I just want to feel more. I just want to experience more pleasure, especially in the bedroom. Where do I start? that's it. It's really, that is where I, I kind of launch people off. And then obviously some pelvic floor exercises that you would say. Yeah. So it really depends on the person because I like some people have chronic anxiety, chronic stress and people who have that in their life, which in our current global situation (laughs) is the majority of people. I I honestly, the activations of the pelvic floor is like way later to me. I would start with breathing. If you are someone who does Kegels as a woman pretty consistently, I would just quit, stop right now. Don't do them ever again. I know it's like super counterintuitive. It's this whole thing. Okay. So when Dr. Kegel came up with this idea, it was for women who were incontinent in the fifties, the women in the fifties were experiencing a very different stress and anxiety level than we're experiencing now in the 2020s. Okay. So the tonicity of the pelvic floor was very different in those women that it was successful in versus the women today. So we actually carry a lot of tension in the muscles of the pelvic floor. So a lot of times our pelvic floor doesn't need to get stronger. It actually needs to relax. It needs to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like people think when they hear loosen up in pelvic floor, a lot of women panic. They're like, Oh my God, I don't want my vagina to be loose. Okay. I'm telling you right now, your like musculature is not really impacting the tightness of your vaginal canal in ways like you think it is. Otherwise we'd all have like vaginas that were so tight. Nobody would be able to get into them ever. So yeah. So leave out Kegels, not as beneficial as you think. Deep, slow breathing is really going to be the place. The other thing is to like, watch your stress. Stress is a huge impact on your ability to connect to sexual pleasure. If you're associating sexual acts with stress. So if you feel this sense of like guilt or frustration over not orgasming with a partner, that's something to be aware of that is going to perpetuate the not experiencing pleasure. So that self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely think start with slow, deep breaths, watch your stress. And that's easier said than done. Meditation and mindfulness practices, I think are huge, which is 
you know, coming back to this term holistic sexologist, that's what makes it so holistic, right? Is that it's simple things like breathing, like, you know, drink lots of water. That's really important, especially for women. If you want to have that lubrication during your sex and to have that ease of the, of your way into the experience, like water's really important. (laughs) Staying hydrated is important, you know? Any foods that you say avoid or get more of in your diet? I'm actually really struggling with this because I've been doing a lot of research around the foods that support vaginal health. High fatty foods are really important. So nuts, avocados, those types of foods, really important, like good fats. Healthy fats, yeah. Yep. I'm reading conflicting information. So I'm a carb queen, if I'm honest, like carbs are my favorite thing. I could eat bread. I'm pretty sure I could eat bread for every meal of every day. And I've read, and I, this is probably a bias. You know, when you like really like something, Google's like, like, Hey, here's more of it. That's right. So (laughs) I've been looking more into studies in Google scholar rather than just like Googling to confirm what I already believe, but definitely some carbs. It's hard to like, I know that my love of bread is not the answer, but definitely some carbs are really important because we have a pH balance that we're keeping in our bodies. So that's also something for you to be aware of different vaginal pHs will be inclined towards different things. So really our, each of our bodies has its own unique balance and you really need to get to know what's happening in your system. And the other thing is to like honor it, right? So again, we, as women and men are totally different. I cannot say that it is less, the more I'm in this world, the more I realize like there's a lot of pressure on men and they're so many, but it's just different than the pressure on women, but, you know, shame and guilt around discharge or your cycle or that kind of thing. And I really think that taking the time to understand that your body is just telling you things, it's not being gross. It's not being dirty. It's not nasty. It's your body telling you things through the way that it's functioning. So adjusting your diet or adjusting your physical habits to support yourself rather than just being like shamed or trying to ignore it. Got it. So for those who are struggling with hitting that amazing O, as you like to call it, getting out of their head, breathing a lot, not stressing, working on the shame part, Mm -hmm. you know, watching their water intake. What else do you think was really important for you through this journey to get you to where you are now? Um, Something I think is really wildly important is that you understand that the pleasure you want to experience is available to you. Back when I was Googling, can all women have orgasms? One of the things I read was that if your clitoris and your vaginal canal are more than a thumbs, like the width of your thumb distance away from one another, you'll never have orgasm during sex. You'll never have penetration orgasms. And I believed it because why wouldn't I believe it? It says that on Google. And that is really not true. That's What I see when I see the biggest changes in clients that I work with is when they, that light turns on in their brain and they're like, oh my gosh, this is possible for me. So I think that's also really important is that someone who is just like, man, like, I don't necessarily want to go to wild sex parties, but I do want to be able to have multiple orgasms, or I want to be able to orgasm during penetration, or I've never squirted. I want to do that. All of the pleasure that you want to experience is available in your body. And it's just a matter of learning how to access those sensations, but it is not, even though statistics you'll read will say like a high percentage of women will never have orgasms from penetration. That is true. And it doesn't have to be that way. 
And also there's no pressure. You know, if you're having sex and it's really good and you really enjoy it and the orgasms you're having are really good in whatever way they are, there's no pressure to have more or do more or be more. Just enjoy the experience. And if you've always wanted to have different types of orgasmic experiences, your body is absolutely capable of it. And there is nothing holding you back except a little bit of practice and awareness. Love that. Good, good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you've been researching this or something. I know. I know. It's weird. So talk to me a little bit about your journey from being a yoga instructor to this holistic sexologist. What was that? Was that kind of like a natural addition to your yoga practice? Are you still a yoga instructor? Have you walked away? Yeah. Excellent question. Excellent yeah. question. <laughs> So when I was traveling around, I was going to lead teacher trainings. And at that point, after I realized the potential of connecting to the pelvis, I really wanted to help women. And my first plan was through pelvic floor work. So I paired up with pelvic floor physiotherapist, and we did a lot of workshops together. And it's the one thing in my life that like sold out like hotcakes. I'd post that I was running a pelvic floor workshop and everybody signed up. And this told me that there's like a need for this type of information. I remember we ran one at her physiotherapy clinic and it was pelvic floor work for moms. And there were, I can't remember, we never did a group more than 10 at the time because it's like, it's quite a vulnerable topic and we wanted people to feel comfortable. So we had 10 people and of the 10 people, I think three of them weren't moms and they came because they had pelvic floor problems and they didn't know where else to go. And they saw this workshop and they're like, we're hoping you'll still let us in. And so it just really showed me that all women, regardless of their marital or maternal status, have this struggle. And it was great. And so when I was going to teach at conferences and events, it was all focused on the pelvic floor. So it was anatomy and biomechanics, as well as understanding the pelvic floor. When the pandemic hit and I was locked in, I was like, I had always wanted to take more of my work online. And this obviously gave me the opportunity. And I noticed, so I was quite lucky that I was in a position where I had time, like I had savings, Bali, the expenses at the time were a lot lower. And so I was like, okay, I really have the time to dive into this. And I saw so many yoga teachers out of work because all the studios were closing that I didn't want to dip into that pool of of teaching yoga classes because there were so many people vying for space. And I was like, you know what? I can step away from that and really focus in on the pelvic floor. And this is when I actually had a, sorry, just prior to the pandemic, I had a tantric yoni massage. And so this is a massage where they massage all the outside of your body or she massaged all the outside of my body. And then also on the inside. And it was really an incredible experience and reminded me of the power of the energy of feminine energy and our chakras that are associated with pleasure. And so then I started to offer online courses that combined both physical anatomy with the energetic anatomy. And that's how it segued. So it was still yoga. It was still meditation. And there was a talking component where I was sharing about these different areas. So I could still teach anatomy because I'm obviously still super passionate about anatomy and biomechanics and how our bodies work. And I could also bring in this vital component of what's happening energetically and lighting us up. So I'd started with small group courses and then I started to work one-on-one -on -one with women. And the really interesting thing is 
all of my marketing was geared towards women. And I was still having men come to me and ask for help. And I was like, I'm a woman. I don't have a penis. Like I can't help you. There's nothing I can do for you. Uh, turns out, I think in a lot of contexts, it's easier for a man to come to a female and to say, Hey, I'm having this issue in the bedroom. Sometimes it's a bit too much to overcome, to go to another man, not always, but that's the experience that I was having. People were feeling they could be more vulnerable with me. So then it ended up evolving. The basic principles of pleasure are the same, regardless of your genitalia or your sexual orientation. And so this holistic approach really works for men and for women, even though the goals are separate the methods are still very, very, very similar. So yeah, so that kind of like brought me to where I am today. What a journey, girl. What a journey. (laughs) Oh my gosh, love it. So what I always love to ask all my guests of now what? (laughs) What's going on for you in the back half here of 2022? Well, I started working for this company called Made Hot out of Stockholm, Sweden. They have an incredible platform for coaches that are really empowering people in really empowering people in their lives, but really with a focus on sexual empowerment. So I've been thrilled to be working with them and creating content for them. That's been super, super fun. And I've also been working on creating more long-term courses. So in the past, I've done these four-week courses that are live and I engage with people and I really love the personal aspect. But given there's a 12 hour time difference between myself and most of my North American clients, I've had to realize that scheduling is a bit of an issue. So I've been working on making more courses available to people as self-led. And then I'm just very present in the like, Hey, how's it going? You know, and people can answer when they want to, instead of this particular time meeting up. And I'm finding it's really helpful for a lot of moms, a lot of busy women, a lot of people who have different schedules. So that's been a really big part as well as expanding my one-on-one. So I've always kept a very small, tiny group of one-on-one clients. And recently I've been feeling more empowered to have to work with more. And that's been a really incredible experience to watch people transform. And I think the thing that blows my mind is, you know, I'll do a discovery call and I'll be chatting with someone and is this going to work and us working together. And honestly, a lot of people just after doing that discovery call have huge transformations in their pleasure. Like even before we do our first call together, because they, they believe that it's possible. And that belief is the first like hurdle to overcome. And then we can really make progress quickly from there. So it's been really amazing. And I'm, yeah, that's kind of what's going on for me. I love it. It's it. And it just kind of shows you the power of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like the fact that they've maybe finally decided to have a conversation with a quote unquote expert about this. Yeah. They're talking to an expert. That means that there is a solution at the end of this tunnel for them. And so they just Absolutely. believe that they will be fixed for lack of better terms, mm. that there is there is a thing that they will learn in the next four weeks that's going to mm-hmm. get them to where they want to be. Just believing in that probably just activates it all for them. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And it's not coming from, you know, if you're on your own and you're like, okay, I believe I can fix this. It's different when you have someone who says, Hey, here's 
things about your pelvic floor. Here's things about the energy in your body. Here's things about pleasure that you don't know. And you're like, oh, wow. Somebody who has that level of awareness and knowledge still thinks it's possible. Like amazing, you know? And so rather than just do it, I can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My favorite quote of all times. And this happens often. And I love it. Every time it happens is someone will be like, Oh my gosh. So I was having an orgasm the other day and I thought about you because, and I'm just like, whatever. I love that. I love that. And often I'll kind of like throw this out is like something often holding women back is like this jaw tension. And if you are in a high stress job or you carry a lot of stress in your body, jaw tension is wild. And if you can release and relax your jaw, especially during pleasure experiences, solo or with a partner or with partners, you really find an access to your jaw and your pelvic floor are very much linked up. And if you can relax your jaw, a lot of people find that as, oh, wow, that just fixed it. So jaw tension, watch it, be mindful of it. Good tip. She's dropping all of the hot tips here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Love it, love it. All right, Jenna, where do you love to hang out? Where can people find you if they want to learn more, if they want to have one of those orgasmic discovery calls with you? Where can they find you? Uh, Just so we're clear, nobody as of yet has orgasmed on a discovery call. Just so we're clear. They might have thought like that though, right? If like after the call, they're like, oh my God. (laughs) Yes. My website is jennaswitzer.com. It's spelt like it sounds. And on Instagram, Jenna underscore Switzer. And those are two of the major places that I hang out. That's where I'm trying to share the most that I can. You can sign up for my newsletter. I do have an orgasm 101 free download. So if you're interested in just kind of understanding more about orgasms, if you were like I was and just didn't really know. Yeah. If you were Googling, how do I orgasm? Then this 101 guide (laughs) is for you. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so that's available on my website as well. So yeah, just connect and see. And I think for me, one of the things that I say about people that I work with, you have to be a 10 out of a 10 wanting to change because if you're kind of at a six or seven, or you're not sure, you know, investing in a one-on-one coaching over your pleasure is not going to push you to a 10. You're a 10, you're ready to change. You want to make a difference. I'm here for you. If you're not really at that area, cool, hang out, pick up all the free content that I'm sharing, learn from everything that I'm sharing and make the changes on your own. I think that's also really, really valuable. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Okay. Final question. What would you tell 22 year old Jenna right now? What would I tell 22 year old Jenna? Not orgasming and really frustrated with her life. Yeah. I think one of the things is like, you're not broken, you know, it's okay. You're everything about you is okay. And, and that it's all available to you. All the pleasure that you desire is available. I wish so bad I could go back and really love myself, you know, and not feel that shame and frustration and, you know, shame and guilt are debilitating. They don't help They don't help anything. And I think back to how long I was paralyzed by shame and guilt. And I just wish I could tell myself that it's okay. And that, I mean, like on the one hand, it's, oh, it'll all work out, but I wouldn't even tell myself it'll all work out. I just like, there's nothing wrong with you. How you are is perfect. And all the pleasure you want is available. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was a hot one. (laughs) Thanks, Jenna, for calling in all the way from the beautiful Bali. Your background is taunting me with your sunshine right there. (laughs) Um, So if this episode resonated with you, 
no shame, no guilt. Enjoy it. And uh, follow up with Jenna. Go check her out. Go give her a follow. She has amazing content on Instagram. And if you know somebody, aka maybe your partner, (laughs) that you would like to share this episode with, do so. Or if you have a girlfriend who has confided in you and told you, you know, some of her intimate shortcomings or doubts about herself for this episode, it just might help her figure out her own now what. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.